Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into a Sunday fun day edition of Sox on Tap. It's Tony Marchese, joined by NWI Steve. It's Cowboy Hat time here. We got Hawk Harrelson in the house. Steve's here. He's got the headband on. We're rocking some red, white, and blue. The Sox win today. It was a good weekend. We saw some winners. We're back. Steve, beers are flowing. Sunday, how are we feeling today, my friend? Hey, yo, Anthony, anytime you go on the road to a good team and you win a series on the road, that's a nice little Sunday. Fun little factoid here. They talked about this on the broadcast. This was the first series that the Rays had lost at home since August of 2019, which also happened to be against your Chicago White Sox. And guess what? Yours truly happened to be in the house for that one. Hey, Steve. Sometimes, sometimes there's some weird random stats and factoids that come out. I love when you share them with us here on Socks on Tap. That's amazing. That's it's really cool. Another little actually, fun, another little fun fact. Yeah, you got more. You got more during, for us? during that Let's little go. series. There, a guy in a T Rex costume may just may have tried to eat my father. There, there you is go. Visual, got, visual evidence of this. We're, we're, it's Sunday Fun Day. We're already off. To a we're, we're off start. the rails. We've got we've got T Rexes trying to eat Steve's dad. We've got White Sox winners. We've got Hawk Harrelson. We've got cowboy hats. We've got bandanas. This is going to be a fantastic show, Steve. I'm really excited. Let's get weird to just to just go through all of this with you. Little preview. We've got an investigation. Socks on tap investigates later on in this show. Uh, we're going to investigate uh, whether or not one of the guys that we may go to the ballpark with if he may or not be a White Sox player. So we're going to get to that. But before we do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Our guy Besnick at Sox Insane, he has been treated to two victory write-ups this week. We talked about this a little bit earlier uh, this week, Steve. Win some for Besnick. I think the Sox have won some for Besnick. We got Jake Berger popping off. Uh, there's a lot of comments coming in. I uh, listen. I th- think this is this is fantastic. I'm having a I'm having a day. We might have spoken into existence. Okay, I was very concerned about Besnick's health, just mentally and physically, thinking about what this team was going to do to him and these write ups that he is committed to. The fact that they were able to go out there and get a series win for him, that is just going to guarantee that he is going to continue doing a quality job on these write-ups because I was I was very concerned, admittedly, that this team was going to push that poor young man over the edge here. And, oh, by the way, fuck you, Justin. It, yeah, Justin's in the house. We'll get to some of these comments in a minute. Keep them coming because we'll get them up here in just a little bit. Uh, 
there's some crackums in here. Justin's saying, "Let's let's fucking go, Tony." I, I'm liking this. This is the kind of energy I need on my Sunday fun. Don't days. let Justin fool you. Justin doesn't have to fool me. We know what's up, uh, Steve. It's a victory today for the White Sox, uh, and it was a victory yesterday. I was told that I'm supposed to get mad online during this show. I was told I'm supposed to get mad online during the show after the White Sox got swept. That didn't fucking happen. So that's why the cowboy hat's on. Let's let's ride. Our guy, our guy Besnick today said that the White Sox had to set the tone for the rest of the season. We're big set the tone people around here. How big is today's victory? That is a very, very big victory right there. There's a major difference psychologically getting on that plane and taking that two, two and a half hour trip back to Chicago. Big difference doing it at two and four versus one and five. Particularly knowing that the Minnesota Twins in typical baseball karma fashion went up to Toronto and won two out of three games after they just, you know, kicked the ever-loving shit out of the Sox. So you needed to keep pace. And you did that. You're five games back right now. You're staying within striking distance here. Um, I wrote about this a week ago, this nine-game stretch that they have between the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Dodgers coming up here this week. That's a nine-game stretch that you can't afford to go one and eight, two and seven. So they took two games on, on this trip. I think most of us coming into it thought, hey, if you go two and four on, on the trip, that's kind of what you would expect given how inconsistently this team has been playing and given the quality of the opponents. So it wasn't always pretty, but you found a way to do it. And hopefully now you get these two wins and you can start to hopefully build a little bit of momentum here. It's going to be a very tall order coming with the Dodgers coming to town. That is the really the perennial organization in the game of baseball right now. They're the, the team that does everything right. And you're going to have your work cut out for you, but you got two wins in a row coming in here. Michael Kopech is going to be on the mound Tuesday. Let's keep this momentum going. Let's keep this train rolling. Yeah, man. I I, I just I, I love the fact that the White Sox were able to respond to this because you come into this weekend feeling very down and out. Um, the White Sox have actually really handled the AL East pretty well uh, outside of what we've seen from Toronto. Uh, but they 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 split with the Yankees. You've had your way with the Tampa Bay Rays. Last year was the opposite, Steve. You were beating up on your division, and when you played the good teams, you were getting your asses handed to you. What a difference a year makes because we're sitting here talking about right now how bad – and the games in the division do matter. I will say that. The games in the division do absolutely matter. But the difference between this year's White Sox, they seem to get up for games that – are against superior opponents. And then when they crawl back to their division just early on, and this is my assessment of this, there's not as much stake taken into it. Yeah, they're getting trounced within the division, but it's nice to see them go handle series against teams like the Tampa Bay Rays. And we're sitting here talking about a victorious weekend. That's why we've got the glasses on, as Soxide Mike says. Tony's glasses indicate a victorious weekend. I wish I was seeing stars more, Mike. I want to see stars every single time I'm on here. That's why I'm wearing these glasses because I see stars on the field when we're beating good teams. Steve, 
what the fuck's happening when we're playing our division and what's going on when we're playing teams like the Rays? I think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that teams within the division have better advanced and better pro scouting than the Sox do. And because of the frequency with which they see each other, they have better scouting reports and they are able to communicate that information more effectively. You know, they're, the Sox were a couple of pitches away from at least from getting one or potentially two games up in Minnesota, that one series that they had earlier. And they're four and four against Kansas City. You, you know, they're a couple pitches away right there from being five and three, six and two against that. I mean, there's some some close games that they ultimately gave away. You really should be three and zero against Detroit. So I, I just think that it's been a combination of different things with this team right now. We've really seen it all season and we've talked about it ad nauseum to this point. If it's not the offense struggling one day, it's the defense having brain lapses out there and making physical mistakes to allow teams back into games like we saw today, or it's base running miscues or it's a bullpen let down. They haven't been able to string together quality, consistent play since they had that six and two start. And that feels like an eternity ago. So for whatever the reason, they just haven't been able to do that. Hopefully now as they're starting to get some of the injured players back and, you know, Lance Lynn, we're maybe 10 days away from the big bastard making his return into the rotation. Looks like possibly that Tuesday in Detroit could happen. Maybe Eloy by the weekend or for that Detroit series. So if you get those two guys back, you're starting to reassemble the group that you thought you were going to have coming into the season. And hopefully at that point, you can start to just piece things together here and build some momentum. That's ultimately what this thing is is all about. They've got these two wins in a row. You just got to find a way to build on it. They haven't been able to do that with consistency for whatever the reason is. Hey, I'm I'm not complaining. Sunday, fun day. We're here, Steve. You bring up a lot of good, valid points, and all I'm just hearing when you're talking is like, here's all the bad that's happened behind us. I'm trying to look forward trying to figure out how I can continue to see stars and wear glasses like these on, on, on Sunday, fun day. Look at, we got sale in the house. Finally, a real Sunday, fun day. That's what hey, yo, Sal, throw one up sales here. Sales here. I, I just, I, I really think, man, there's a lot of bad that's gone on for this white Sox team. This has got to be the longest fucking April may into june i've ever had watching a baseball team and i know you feel that too it, th- there's no secret here the white Sox have absolutely sucked they've been putrid they haven't lived up to expectations it's like watching a show go off the rails and then when you finally see a glimmer of hope you want it to happen we've seen the glimmer of hope steve maybe three or four times and we've been let down by it so why do you buy in why do you buy in now I think one of the reasons that you buy in now is for the mere fact of a couple of points that you made, you've got some guys coming back. And I know this sounds cliche because a lot of people want to go out and say, well, Rick Hahn's not going to make a, a, a deal at the deadline to go bring anybody in because there's injured players. We, we went through that whole entire drill last year, but when you've got guys like Jake Berger who come in, pick you up when you've got Danny Mendick, who comes in and picks picks you up 
and plays really good baseball over the stretch of a week, sometimes those type of things can change the momentum, like you said. Steve, let's get into Danny Mendick replacing Tim Anderson because I I would have thought that this would have been done a week ago, and yet here we go, multiple games in a row where Danny Mendick is hitting the ball two times or more. I know that stopped today. He only had one hit, but how was Danny Mendick filled in for Tim Anderson? Mendick has done really a tremendous job to this point. And this is a guy that it has been noted has really done a lot of work to get back to this point. This is a guy that was drafted out of a small school. I think it was UMass. Um, it, it wasn't even main UMass location. It, it was one of the satellite locations and he's a mid-round draft pick. So this is a guy that has had to scratch and claw his entire way through the minor leagues just to get a cup of coffee at the major league level. He's had a couple of spurts of success that were short-lived, and he's really been shuttling back and forth between Chicago and Charlotte for a couple of years now, and this is a guy that doesn't want to go back. He wants to be here because... I mean, let's let's face the facts. Even if you're making the minimum at the major league level, that's still a hell of a lot better than having to actually work for a living or having to be in Charlotte. Granted, you know, Charlotte, apparently really nice city, really nice ballpark and everything. But at the end of the day, this is where you want to be. And this is a guy that has put in a ton of work on the season. We're talking about a guy with a 318, 362, 455 slash line in granted. 48 plate appearances, so not a large sample size, but that's what you need. When you're in a spot, when you have Tim Anderson, that is the emotional leader of this club that is going to be out for a couple of weeks, you need someone to step in and to fill that void and to provide somewhat of a lift. And Mendick has actually done that. Coming into today's game, since being recalled when Tim went on the I.L., Mendick is slashing 500, 529, 563. Okay. Hey, Steve, a couple of days ago, you told me on this show, it's not who you play. It's when you play them. Sometimes when somebody gets injured and somebody steps up, there's a little extra momentum. You want to prove yourself. You want to be that guy who steps in. Like, you want to, I don't think I say set the tone. Yeah. Set the tone. That's a perfect, that's the perfect word for it. Uh, Danny Mendick, when you get that call as as a ball player, wants to come up here and, and he, like all the pressure is on you. All the pressure is on Danny Mendick to go fill in for Tim Anderson. Yes, the White Sox got swept in Toronto. It sucked. But Danny Mendick was doing his goddamn job. I don't think enough's been said about that. Yeah, in the long run, is Danny Mendick my shortstop of the, of the 2022 Chicago White Sox? No. But if he can come up here, get it done for a week, prove his worth, damn. Like, that's what you need when you need it. I think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there was a lot of kicking and screaming when Tim Anderson went down. This team's done. This is over. He's filled in nicely. I want to give credit where credit is due. Because that's a guy who's feeling a lot of pressure right now, just in my perspective. He's got to be feeling a lot of pressure, and he's performed to an exemplary level, Steve. So that helps the White Sox win ball games. Give credit where it's due. Danny Mendick. I mean, game ball for the fucking week. 
You know, and that was one of the things I talked about with the group last year with all the injuries that they faced. Having guys like Brian Goodwin, guys like Billy Hamilton step in for spurts at various points across the season and give them an uptick in offense to help cover some of the injuries. That's what Danny Mendick is doing right now. And for a team that has not been able to, to string together any kind of offensive consistency, this is exactly what you need. And Mendick is going out there and providing that at a very vital moment. It, it could have been very easy for this team a week ago when TA7 got hurt to just fold it up and say, well, you know, we're without our, our leader now on top of everything else that has gone wrong. You know, it's just not our year. And you're right. They went to Toronto. They had a bad series. They And, and then they lose the first game of this series down in Tampa. They could have just rolled over and died. And I think a lot of Sox teams in the past, that would have happened. I remember back in 2013, this team swept a three-game series at home in late May against the then Florida Marlins. And following that game, they got to 500. And then they went on just an epic losing streak. And then they finished up the year 63 and 99. And what was to that point, the worst White Sox team of my life. So those things can snowball on you and it can cause the season to spiral and derail. They're doing everything they can, I think, as a group collectively here to not allow that to happen. And this is where having a guy like Danny Mendick come in and give you a lift for even if it's five, six, seven games. That's the type of thing that can ultimately get you a couple of games, claw a couple of wins, put put a couple of numbers in that left-hand column, and that's what you have to do to stay afloat. So, Steve, you wrote about the just tough schedule a couple of weeks ago. Um, how do you think the White Sox have fared through this right now if you're going to grade them? You know, give them an A through F scale. How have we done so far? I'd say right now it's a it's a C plus B minus. I think as I as I did the numbers in my head, they're 34 games into this little stretch right now, and they're 18 and 16 at the moment. So two games over 500 in that stretch right now. That's okay. They're doing what they ultimately needed to do. They're staying afloat. They're staying close. You obviously would like to see them establish more consistency. This is, I feel like, the theme and the word of the show here. But at the end of the day, what I talked about when I wrote that article back in late April was they have to just stay afloat. They have to find a way to stay close and not get buried in this stretch. They went to New York. In Yankee Stadium, they won a series. They went down to Tampa. They won a series. They were the first team to win a series at Tampa in close to three years here. That's very significant. They won a series in Boston. So they've done a couple of really positive things. Now, then they just haven't been able to carry that over. That's where I think the frustration comes into play because you see these little bursts within this pocket of, of the schedule and they show you those little glimmers of hope and you think, okay, this is the turning point. And then something happens to kind of take a step back. So how this team responds now with the Dodgers coming in is ultimately going to be the biggest test here. Can they build off of this? And that's really going to determine here where we're at. 
you know, we've got some grades coming in here. Sale says that we've got a C. Uh, Sockside Mike says C plus. Uh, Justin says uh, C. Grandal is still in the lineup regularly. Shut up, Justin. Um, you know, I, I love the comments in here. Uh, everybody's going with C average. Just my take here. I'm going to give it a B. And this might sound uber positive, and Mike 7979 is going to come kill me after this. But I, I really think that you had to weather the storm here. The plan for this team, if they're going to be successful, is to weather the storm against some of these hard teams. They've done that. Uh, you know, you, you, you'd want to go beat them and, and be coming back on this, what, four and two instead of two and two and four. Um, but you were in these ball games. Uh, I might be reading way too far into the positivity notes. Maybe that's Hawk Harrelson next to me. Maybe it's the cowboy hat. I'm not sure, Steve, but I'm having a Sunday fun day, and I want to look at the optimistic side of things. I think for all intents and purposes, you get Lance Lynn back, you get Eloy Jimenez back, eventually Yasmani Grandal either works his way in or out uh, of you know the everyday lineup, like Justin says. Uh, Reese McGuire, as much as he annoys me, has done an okay job. I, I feel like you want to minimize the automatic outs, but he's been decent behind the plate. I wish he had Sebi Zavala up here hitting 300 like he is down in AAA, but we know how that would work if I really preach for him to come up and he'd hit 100. Um, so there, there's a lot of little things that you can nitpick with this team right now. But overall, you talk about the tough stretch. They're still in it. I still think that they have a chance to go on a run. You see guys like Jose Abreu heating up. I saw that in the in the chat earlier. Um, you've got guys like Danny Mendick filling in for Tim Anderson when they're down. You're starting to see a little bit of the it back. That's, that's what I've been waiting for is the it to come back, Steve. Um, I don't know. It's going to be hard. I'm looking at this down the road, and I we just got this comment in from Sockside Mike Berger to second. I don't know if you can take Jake Berger out of this lineup right now. You're you're right. I don't know. I don't know how you do it at this point, given the struggles that they are having offensively. This is a guy that is going out there again. He's making the most of his opportunities. And he's a guy that is just so easy to root for, given all the adversity that he has had to overcome just to even get himself to the major leagues. This, you know, he was a first round overall pick, ninth overall, had all of the Achilles issues. Having back to back Achilles ruptures would take most people and be the end of their baseball career. But the tenacity that this, player has shown in not only working back to just get on the field in any capacity, but ultimately get himself to the major league level to realize his dream and to come up here and be producing. And he has now had the game winning hit in four consecutive White Sox wins. That's pretty important right there. So you're talking about a guy that is understanding and stepping up in the moment and providing a very vital spark to a team that has needed it. I, for the life of me, I can't understand how you you send this guy down at the moment. 
For whatever the reason, Tony La Russa hasn't shown a willingness to try him at second base other than that one inning in a blowout loss a couple of weeks ago. At this point, I just I don't know what the downside is to it at this juncture. But moral of the story is you can't send Jake Berger back down to Charlotte right now. You just can't. No, and our, our guy Sale coming in here. Need Yon to get worked up. Never seems to have a sense of urgency at the plate. I'm so happy he put this in here instead of Twitter.com because this would rile some people up. Um, just, it's fascinating to me. I spent a lot of time going back and looking at, you know, Yoan Moncada and, and why people feel the way they do about Yoan Moncada. And it, it's just wild. Jake Berger, you, you just read off a stat there has the game-winning hit in the last four games. Man, that's that's what I thought that Yoan Moncada would be doing when you traded a future fucking Hall of Famer for him. Um, and, then, and then you kind of wind that back. Like, you look at the OPS, you look at the stats, and you look at 2019, and there's all these other things that could get thrown at you. Sometimes ballplayers just have to have TW... TW. Okay, and that that's a very great point and a very astute point that my man Sal brings up here. I've used this comparison a lot when talking about players, not necessarily as much in a baseball context. And everyone knows, listen, I'm I'm if nothing else, I'm I'm Mr. NBA. Everybody knows that. But you think about Michael Jordan. This is a guy that he's not like the rest of us. He's not really from this planet. He's someone that when you put him on the court in playoff situations, he wanted to destroy you and he wanted to embarrass you. And he had that TWTW that Hawk loved to talk about. His whole mission in life was to go out there and was to win at all costs. Not everybody has that internal motor. There are a lot of guys that do, and there's just some guys that simply don't. And I think that that is the one big differentiator, at least for me, when you look at the whole Michael Jordan versus LeBron James comparison. And I know this isn't a basketball show here, but I think here, it can, here we are. I wish but, we had Buzz on tap. He'd be able to just like just dissect this for and, us. And 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 Sal, you're bringing up another great point here. Jose Abreu does have that. This is a. Jose Abreu ate a fucking fake passport to get into the country. That says a lot. And and Tim Anderson, that's another guy that has it. I talk about Tim Anderson all the time, the, the baseball acumen of this guy. And he is someone that just wants to go out there and he just wants to find a way to win a fucking baseball game. He doesn't care what he has to do. He always seems to find himself in the right spot trying to make something happen because he wants to do whatever it takes to win a fucking baseball game. And not everybody has it. And it can be so frustrating to see from guys like Yohan Mankata. And this is going to get a lot of heat and that's okay. I'll go on record as saying coming into this year, Yohan Mankata has been a good player. He's been a slightly above average player. He has not lived up to the expectations that the fan base had for him. That doesn't mean that he's a bad player, despite what some fucking slob on Twitter.com likes to say. 
He's been good. He hasn't been good enough based off of where the fan base projected him to be at the time of the acquisition. No, but that's just the thing, man. Like everybody's going to dig in in their trenches and try and, and, and be right or wrong on every single player, on every single topic and everything. I just feel if you take a neutral approach to this, Jake Berger's doing more for this ball club right now than Yohan Mankata is. He absolutely and if is. You, and if you try and argue that, you're a fucking idiot. Like, there is no way that you can sit here and say that Yohan Mankata has more impact on the 2022 Chicago White Sox up until this point than Jake Berger has. And here's your first-round draft pick. He's got his own trajectory. He's got his own story. The two the two stories could live independently of each other. Unfortunately, they're intertwined. And people are going to have a hard time trying to dissect that because they play, unfortunately, the same position for the Chicago White Sox. You have to find a way to get that bat in your lineup every day. If I'm sitting here and I'm Rick Hahn, or I'm Tony LaRusa, or I'm anybody in the front office, that's a huge predicament for me right now. And not a lot of people want to talk about how big of a predicament that is because you've got a first-round draft pick, and then you've got the guy that you traded a future Hall of Famer for fighting for at-bats. This is a good thing for the White Sox, and I don't think people understand that. That's a good thing. We, we, we envy positional depth all the time look at second base look at right field right now look at everywhere else could you imagine being a fan of a team right now steve sitting there going like how the fuck can't we find a third baseman and the white Sox have yohan Moncada and jake Berger there that, like nobody's gloating about that right now because of our record but if this white Sox team was rattling off wins like the yankees and yohan Moncada was sitting on the bench a couple of days like you look at what's going on in New York with uh, Miguel Andujar and Joey Gallo, and he's requesting a trade because of you know the up and downness here. It's the same thing at third base for the White Sox. You have positional depth. The choice to make is really hard here because what one guy is providing you right now in the short term. The, the the I don't know the answer for the long term, Steve. I don't. I'm not willing to make a bet on it. I'm happy I'm not in Rick Hahn's shoes, but holy shit, it's good to have positional depth because it allows you the fact to even be in that situation in the first place. No, you're 100% right, Anthony. From my perspective, we're in a position with this team that – you have to ride the hot hand right now. You can't afford to keep giving games away. Like I said, they're five games back. They're four back in the loss column. You're in a pivotal spot here. You just simply cannot fall too far behind. You have to keep this thing close. And as a result of that, you have to play the hot hand. If that's going to hurt some people's feelings because of former prospect pedigree or what have you, so be it. At this juncture, the only thing that matters is adding numbers into the left-hand column next to Chicago White Sox in the standings. That's it. So if that means that 
you know, Yohan Mankata has to sit for a couple of days. That is what it is. If it means Yasmani Grandal has to sit for a couple of days while he gets over what whatever is going on, I have some belief that the legs aren't right. So if Tony La Russa has to mix and match a little bit with his lineups, and I look, I'll be the first person to admit I've taken issue with the lineups on a number of occasions, largely just because Larry Garcia should never hit higher than eighth in a lineup on a team that has aspirations of winning a World Series. That has always been the the biggest issue here. But if you're going to mix and match here, there's enough ways that you can do this to try to put together a competent lineup on a day-in and day-out basis. What's going to be really fascinating, though, is in 7, 10, 14 days when Eloy comes back, how are you going to try to make all of these pieces fit then? That's where things are going to get interesting. That's what's wild to me, and I want to get on to that in, in, in just a minute here. We've got a question from Sal uh, as well that I want to get to. Um, I'm just kind of debating which one I want to attack first. I think we'll go with the Eloy stuff, and then we'll we'll come back to uh, a question that Sal has in the comments here that I think is very intriguing. But is it is it wild to me? Like it's it's wild to me, and I'm wondering if it's wild to you and even the listeners. Why am I dreading Eloy Jimenez coming back because of the roster construction issues that it's going to cause? Because it's going to mean your baby boy is going to have to get on a, on a plane care. and go back to Charlotte. You, you got to realize, Steve, like I don't give a shit if Gavin Sheets is going to have to go back to Charlotte. If the White Sox have a flag flying forever, as Sale said, uh, yes, Mike, flags fly forever. And, and our guy Sox like Mike flags fly forever we i i want the best for the white Sox. yes i can root for gavin sheets and i can be the biggest gavin sheets guy up and down and and, and just praise gavin sheets for everything he does but no this is a team with world series aspirations you have to take that into account you have to realize what's best for this team right now which is why we just had the discussion about yohan mancada and jake berger so and, why and am I dreading when Eloy comes back? Because I feel like it's just another false promise. I feel like like we've we've lived through this so many times. Here's Eloy. I want a 450-foot bomb fucking once a week. I just do. Because that's what's promised. Like even Hawk Harrelson's like shaking his head right now, being like, yeah, that seems reasonable. I'm of the mindset. I'm just waiting for him to get injured again. Yeah. I'm of the mindset at this point that you can no longer rely on Aloy Jimenez. Whatever you end up getting from him is just simply a plus. So you have to just, unfortunately, you just have to kind of see what happens with him. And I know that's kind of a lame response to the situation here. But the fact of the matter is if you go back and if you look through his last 250 plate appearances, he hasn't been good. He's not hitting home runs. He's not being the middle of the order run producer that Wait, Steve, he was are, expected are you, to be. Are you preaching accountability right now? I know that's a foreign concept in these parts, but yes, how dare I? 
you just called Eloy Jimenez's last 250 plate appearances not good. I'm just wondering if that's accountability. That is one word that certainly could be used. I personally would use that word. I think it is apropos for the situation here. Others may not choose to take that. Some might say that's just a small sample size to me. This is a guy that, again, I went on record saying I thought he was going to be the first player in White Sox history to hit 50 home runs. It's out there. You can find it if you want to find it. Okay? I put my name on it. And he's not living up to that. This is a player that has not shown an ability to stay on the field consistently. And when he's been on the field since the shortened COVID season, has not produced to the level that he has been expected to, that his prospect pedigree said that he was going to. And that's one of my biggest issues with this group right now is you have guys that are not living up to that prospect pedigree. This is where what I just talked about earlier. They're in a position they have to ride the hot hand. I don't care about the prospect pedigree. If Jake Berger starts seeing more you know, playing time over Yohan Mankata at this juncture, so be it. The White Sox need to win baseball games. So I guess that's, that leads me to this question before we get into our special segment of Sox on Tap Investigates. Were White Sox fans sold on prospect pedigree over performance during the rebuild? You're always sold on prospect pedigree in the initial phases of a rebuild, 100%. I mean, that's that's what it always is. You go back and if you look at recent championship caliber teams, you know, the Royals at one point had what was to that spot the highest rated prospect system ever since it started being as closely followed. And I think that was in maybe 2012 when, when they had that ranking. So it really kind of started a chain reaction. So you had them, you had the Astros who had a sports illustrated cover printed saying that they were going to win the 2017 world series three years in advance. And that was all based off of prospect pedigree. We saw about what happened with, with the Cubs. We've seen the situation with the San Diego Padres. So that is absolutely a thing. And we are at the point now where we have enough of a sample with a number of these players that the prospect pedigree is not matching up with the production. And therein lies the problem. And that is going to be a larger overarching issue that this team is going to have to address this offseason, personally, in my opinion. How they go about doing that, I don't know right now because some of these players are starting to see escalations in their salary and the payroll commitments now are not aligned appropriately with the production that we're seeing. So Rick Hahn, put your uh, big brain hat on there and try to figure all this one out. <laughs> yeah, I think you summed that up very well, Steve. It, it's just wild to me. Um you know some of the pot like just the, like the the promises the the pedigree of of guys like Luis Robert, Yohan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, all these trades. Everybody wants to see the upside when you make the deal because you want to justify it. And then a couple years later, that's the same guy you complain about. Steve, we've got a special investigative report that we have been putting together 
for a while now. And one White Sox player who's been a huge key to the White Sox success over the last few days. It's a guy that I share season tickets with, but we've never seen him in the same room as someone who has just been super hot. Steve, why don't you lead it in to Sox on Tap Investigates? Well, as everyone knows, I like to pride myself on being the presence in the field for Sox on Tap, trying to get to the root and get to the issues at hand and really trying to get down to brass tacks and get answers to the tough questions. I've been trying, and I think I got to the root cause of why the White Sox traded Dane Dunning for Lance Lynn. I think through my investigative journalism, you know, etiquette and, and my techniques, I think I figured it out ultimately. Our next project here, you know, a friend that uh, we've spent some time in, in the garage at Casa de Marchese with, taking in some ball games, having a couple two-tree pops, Mr. Jake Trojan. You spend a lot of time at the ballpark with him. The one thing I'm I'm wondering, though, have you ever seen him and the aforementioned Jake Berger in the same place at the same time? I haven't, and we actually have some photo evidence just to bring up right here. I don't know, man. The 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 comparison here is 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 very striking. Um Socks on tap investigates. Is Jake Trojan actually Jake Berger? I they don't know. share the same first name. The the resemblance is uncanny at this point. It's almost like has anyone seen Tom Cruise or, or uh, Ted Cruz and Tom Ricketts in the same place at the same time? I don't think so. I mean, th- I mean, again, this is this is the South Side version of this. Are Jake Berger and Jake Trojan, in fact, one and the same? You tell me, folks, because I have some serious doubts right now. I do, too. And I mean, it's just to me, number one, like the beard. Like, let's let's look at the beard while we're investigating this, Steve. And I mean, you just don't find two guys that look this similar in the same bar. You just don't. And for for the simple fact that, you know, I know Jake's taken my tickets a couple of times and going to the ballpark on certain days. I mean, I, I just can't I can't rule this out at this point. I, they might be the same people. We reached out to, to Jake Trojan for comment on this story before we aired here tonight, and we were not met with a response. We all know Jake Berger, friend of the show. He's been on before. What is Jake Trojan hiding here? I don't know. This is we got to get down to we got to get down to the brass tacks, as you like to say. I'm not sure, but Jake Trojan might be Jake Berger in disguise. This might be like a superhero type thing. You know what this could be, and, and I know Sal will appreciate this. This almost might be like a 1997 Mick Foley situation where you have Mankind, Dude Love, and Cactus Jack all in the same place at the same, you know, kind of time potentially. But yeah, I mean. So uh, Sale coming up with a good point. Jake Trojan and Jake Berger were both on White Sox Weekly. Uh, Evidence is mounting. This is getting kind of scary. It's getting kind of scary. How was I able to book this guest? Maybe Jake Berger is Jake Trojan. Uh, the, the, The evidence just keeps mounting for me. You know, some conspiracies go deeper than we think. 
we all know that we did not land on the moon, that that was filmed in the Nevada desert. More and more evidence is mounting that Jake Berger and Jake Trojan are in fact one and the same. Well, Steve, I know you were the one that got to the bottom of the Lance Lynn stuff. I know this is your latest project. Can we hashtag confirm this or is it still checking sources at this point? I have reached out to multiple sources on this. And as I like to say, because I am, if nothing else, a man of the people, I am working to confirm. He's still working to confirm and we will we will bring you the evidence uh, as soon as we can on whether or not Jake Trojan is, in fact, uh, Jake Berger. Socks on Tap Investigates will continue. Uh, and and as Steve would like to say, if we can confirm it, I'm sure he will be there letting you know the facts only. Steve, White Sox win today by a final score of 6-5. to five. I know we didn't really talk about much of the ball game, but overall – the sentiment here is that you won a series. You're coming home to play the Dodgers. Let's get into what's on tap for the White Sox. It's a good weekend. I'm drinking beers. Hawks with me. You're here. We just did an investigative report as to whether or not the guy I share season tickets with might be playing for the White Sox. We just don't know. Um, but what do we have on tap for the White Sox with the Dodgers this week? I need my, I need your series predictions. I need a pick to click. And we need to close this show down because I need to go grab more beers. All right. At the end of the day, the White Sox are going to have to play clean, crisp, fundamental baseball against the Dodgers. They cannot afford to go out there and give them more than three outs in an inning. We saw that here today that got the Rays back in this ballgame. The Dodgers earlier this week got swept at home in a series by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, granted, they... Um, you they, hate to see that. They they had a very tough-fought four-game series with the New York Mets this weekend, and I'm not sure what the result of that ballgame was here today, but... They might be coming off of a, you know, they might be coming down a little bit off of an emotional series against another team that is looked at as their main competition in the National League to advance to the World Series. So could there be a little bit of a letdown for that? We're going to find out starting on Tuesday. Michael Kopech was not sharp his last time out in Toronto against the Blue Jays. He's going to have to clean that up. He's going to have to go out there and work ahead of these Dodgers hitters consistently because they are going to grind out at bats. And it's going to start right out the shoot. You can't go out there and lay a cock shot to Mookie Betts on that first pitch Tuesday night at 7-10 because it's going to be one nothing real quick if that happens. So, Michael Kopech, go out there. Be the guy that you were in Yankee Stadium two weeks ago. Be the guy that you've been most of the season. Get ahead early and often, and this team play clean, crisp, fundamental baseball. Find a way. Find a serious, way. Pre- serious predictions, Steve. <sighs> Just when I'm ready to throw in the towel, they pull me back in. They're going to find a way to win two games. I don't know how. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty, but they're going to find a way. 
There it is. Steve's got it. I think they also win two games in this upcoming series. Uh, I hate to ride on the uh, the same prediction uh, just because I like to be controversial, but I was coming into this thinking that they were going to win two games in this Dodgers series. The, the fact that uh, the Dodgers had trouble with the Pirates, it's another good team. Uh, you saw them uh, take care of the Rays this way. You've got arguably uh, the the top of your rotation, I think, which is, I guess, a questionable standpoint here, going up against uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I want to see some good shit out of Kopech. I think he's going to get up for this game. I think Dylan Cease on the back end of this is, is going to get up for it. And you got Johnny Cueto, a guy that knows uh, how to handle the Dodgers from his time out there. I think that gives you a really good opportunity to take two of three from an NL team that's that's really hot. And it, it just kind of sets the tone, Steve, in a way that I would like the White Sox to do. So sometimes you got to speak it into existence. Sometimes you need to wear a cowboy hat on the postgame show. I'm not sure what's going to be the most beneficial thing for the White Sox, but it's been fun. It's been great to see all the comments in here today. I've had a great time. Let's finish this off with our picks to click for the White Sox-Dodgers game that's going to take place on Tuesday. we got an off day coming up. Steve, who's going to get the job done? All right. So first game back off the home stint or coming off the road trip, I'm going to actually say that um, Yasmani Grandal is going to, he's going to put together a game on Tuesday night going up against his former team. Team he knows pretty well. And I think he's going to do the unthinkable. He's going to put one in the right field bullpen. You want him to, well, uh, the right field bullpen. I mean, that's, let's, let's get greedy here. Let's put one where the goose used to be. I'll take it. There it is. Steve's got Yasmani Grandal. I am going to go with Mr. Danny Mendick. You know he's going to be in the lineup. He's the like least obvious pick-to-click choice through this White Sox lineup this entire year, but he continues to just hit day in, day out and make things happen for the White Sox in Tim Anderson's absence. Sometimes you need an unsung hero. That's Danny Mendick for you. Steve, I'm going Danny Mendick on Tuesday. Are you going to be at any of these games, Steve? I will be in attendance for the game on Wednesday. Thursday's a little bit up in the air. It could potentially happen. I could play a little hooky, you know, work from home scenario so to speak but Wednesday for sure I will be there and so I would definitely like to see this team get back on winning track in person there because um having a little bit of struggles with them at home right now admittedly so let's get this thing rolling a little bit here and actually Anthony if I could if I could just have the floor for just one little quick go ahead minute. I was gonna ask you for some final thoughts here before we yeah because I got I got some final thoughts off some off of what we saw this week I want to take this moment to call out some of you sons of bitches that were saying that the White Sox should trade Andrew Vaughn for Sean Manaya or for Frankie Montas. How's that working out for you right now? 
These are fighting words. Wow, Steve's coming. I in mean, hot. you know, we, we got we got we got some idiots. Oh, trade Andrew Vaughn, derp. Oh, he's not be good, derp. You know, look at this. This guy is going out there had the most professional plate appearance of the game today. That twelve pitch at bat I got off Ryan Yarbrough in the first inning. You look at what he did in Toronto, driving the baseball. The power stroke is starting to come through there, having good quality at bats. And gee, what do you know? A guy who was a Golden Spikes Award winner and who was literally rated as the best overall hitting prospect to come out of college since Chris Bryant is magically putting it together here after being thrust into a position where he had to jump from high A to the major leagues without being afforded the luxury of seeing double A and triple A pitching. But yet you got some idiots on Twitter.com that are pining for your mean Mercedes, a career minor leaguer who granted had a tremendous four week stretch last year. I need the mad online. That was like, you're getting, you're getting very into this. Very important to helping the Sox win the World Series, but he was a career minor leaguer at the age of 28 for a reason. And you morons want to call him back up and think for a minute that he's the answer and that he's a better option than Andrew Vaughn? So, Justin, tell your boy Fat Kenny to shut the fuck up. Oh, man. Steve's finishing with some fire here. And and um, and for the record here, Justin Chris Bryant actually does set the bar very high because he was extremely extremely high rated coming out of San Diego University back in uh, 2013 or 2014 when he was the second overall pick in the draft. So you're you're wrong on that one. Wow, that was that was some fire. That was some passion. That was some try not to suck Joe Madden shit, Steve. Like that was you 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 brought all the cards to the table. Uh, you laid them down. Uh, Steve needs a Coors Light. I I agree with this from from Sockside Mike here. Wow, I told was, you all that Andrew Vaughn was going to hit. Yes, I told you uh, all. Even even our our guy Sale. Uh, uh, said that you were uh, mad online. Hashtag mad online. Can you can you just like confirm that you were mad online there, Steve? A smidge. Just a, smidge. a just a, a, smidge. Smidge. a smidge. Um, that's all we've got for socks on tap today. Thank you if you tuned in, uh, Steve. I'm drinking the Budweiser. You might need to get yourself a Coors Light, according to multiple sauces. Uh, you might need a Coors Light to just wind down your Sunday night. Thank you if you tuned in. To I the also show. might need. A, I also might need a, a couple two tree Coors Lights because I got to get on a plane and go to fucking St. Louis tomorrow. Yeah, that's not a good look. Uh, I don't know why you're going to St. Louis. It must be work. Uh, Steve, Sunday Fun Day is the best. Every single time, Sunday Fun Day is the best. We don't really break down. Too much of the game. We get to talk about some fun topics. I had fun. I I hope you did as well. If you were tuned into the show, be sure you're checking out on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us at socks on tap. Follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Follow me at Tony on tap. You might want to follow him more though. He's got more ridiculous takes. I just wear a cowboy hat and, Comment when I want to. Hawk Harrelson's here. Hit that bobblehead. Steve, 
The White Sox won today. That means victory beers. Victory beers taste better. Hashtag confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.